This is Two Balls, One Basket with Jordan Alfasa. Welcome back to another episode of the Two Balls, One Basket podcast, a podcast of the Playbook Sports Network. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at PlaybookSN and to visit our website, myplaybookie.com. As always, I am your host, Jordan, and with me today is Playbook contributor, Zach Sadek. What is up, Jordan? As a Miami sports fan, I am not happy. How are you doing? No, my life sucks. I'm miserable. I have a headache. I want to go to sleep. (laughs) Love it. So we were going to talk Dolphins because I'm sick of talking about the heat, but I thought we'd try something new. You know, we leave the topic up to the followers and our followers wanted to talk about the heat for some reason because everybody likes to be tortured. So that's what we're going to do today. Zach, the Miami Heat are... 13 and 15, and they sit at 10th in the East. I did not prepare anything for this because I just want to rant like, you know, two friends do. What the hell is going on with our team? Uh, it's embarrassing. I mean, to be honest, I was hoping that the Dolphins would, uh, would, would win this poll because, you know, at least there's some excitement involved there. At least they've had a, a pretty good season so far, and we can talk about how bad they've looked the last you know, a couple games, but the Miami Heat have just been so uninspiring. It's been it's been so difficult to watch. I was telling my brother the other day, uh, the Heat like it. I haven't even been like excited to watch these games. Uh, they they don't excite me the way that they normally do. So like I feel like they need to earn our viewership back because we you know the only way that we can uh, you know get some improvement, get some get some momentum, uh, I guess to the coaching staff or to the, to the team is, you know, viewership. If they know that the fans are not happy, they got to change some shit up. They got to, they got to stir up the pot a little bit. So um, yeah, no, it's, it's been painful watching these games. You think that they're having a good game and then they just completely collapse. Um, you know, I, I, and I don't know if it's uh, just talent, uh, but it also feels like the energy, the chemistry, you know, that, that push is just not there for this team. So it's, it's been hard to watch. See, I, I don't think it's talent. People say like, okay, this team's more talented than us. Yeah, and sometimes that's true. That happens all the time. Even last year when the Heat were a one seed, there was teams that were just flat out more talented than them. But the Heat just fought every game, and that's what made them so yep. good. It's Took like, the Celtics to seven games, and that's a exactly. more talented team. And they just beat the Celtics, what, what was that, a week ago? And it's like yep. you see that game, and you're like, oh, my God, the tide is about to turn. And then you go and you lose to the Detroit Pistons at home, and then you go lose to the San Antonio Spurs, which I wasted my money at Miami Heat Twitter. I would like my money back, please. <laughs> and then they lose that game. Like, I just don't understand. So it's like it can't just be a talent thing because at the beginning of every game, they look like the team from last year, you know. Okay, yeah, it takes them a little bit to get going, but then there's like a couple defensive stops. You're like, that's the team. And then three-point shooting is going crazy, and you're like, okay, yeah, that's my team. And then the third quarter hits, and it's everybody just forgets how to play basketball. A hundred percent. And like I said, it, and like we've like we've already been talking about, it's it's not a talent thing because the team has always been able to make up for the talent gap and still win games, but it's because that energy that you know i don't even know what you want to call it like that that camaraderie that competitiveness that that this team has that pretty much is the embodiment of jimmy butler like what he brings to to the team maybe that's what's been missing because he's been in and out of the lineup but you know we just we just don't have that edge that 
gets us to push past the talent difference because this is not the most talented team in the world, but they're still one of the best teams uh, in the league when they're at their best. And and so, you know, it, it's a very similar team to last year's team. Uh, it just seems like whatever you want to call it, the momentum, um, you know, that that spirit being depleted uh, from losing to the Celtics in a, in a tough game seven, maybe just demoralize them a bit. And maybe they're just not able to get to that peak the way that they were last year. You know, like I've heard on the five on the floor podcast, it's like when you watch this team now, it's like they're kind of in shock. It's like they expected something to happen to this team in the offseason. And they, they didn't. So it's like, and I want to pick your brain on a few things that I just thought of. So first off, let's put it this way. You know, okay, yeah, the Heat have lost one too many games for my liking. But, you know, do you remember that season after the bubble when it's like we had these high expectations, but the team really wasn't that good? Right. Okay. So when they would lose games in that season, they were getting tramped like completely curb stomped it's like Mm -hmm. now when they lose a game it's they control the game early and then something happens and then it's just like a a quick flip and then they're fighting back and it's a close game so it's like all of these games are very winnable and yeah i get it a lot of people are with the moral victories you would be like okay well they played hard and they barely lost they'll get it next time but at some point all these close losses they're going to keep adding up and it's going to be more losses, more losses. Other teams around you are going to continue to win. And then at some point you're digging yourself into a hole that you can't get out of. Yep. And as you saw time. last year, as you saw last year, the difference between the one seed and like the eight seed was just a few games in the East because everyone was so good last season. So when you start piling up these losses early, you're stuck clawing your way back and everyone's already, you know, lapped you. They're already way ahead of you where you, you have to, string together long win streaks in order to get back into, into the conversation. Um, but I do like that comparison uh, to the 2021 team, I think it was, uh, yeah, the year after the bubble. It seems like this team ebbs and flows. You know, you get you get that, that drive, that motivation to go get something in the bubble. They got to the finals. Obviously, they lost. And then the next year, it felt like they were still picking up the pieces. They weren't all there. Um but then the the following year, next uh, last season, uh, they they had that edge again, and I don't know if it was because of the rest or whatever you want to call it, but they had that edge and took it all the way to almost another finals appearance. And so right now, it just seems like they're you know I don't know if it's complacent or or whatever, but uh, they're they're still lacking that edge that we saw two seasons ago um, because it it's if it was just a simply a talent thing. If it was simply that we lost PJ Tucker and we're you know struggling a little bit more with size than last year, we wouldn't be losing all of these games. You can't blame being under 500 this late in the season to losing PJ Tucker. Um, yes, he is a difference maker. He does uh, give us a little oomph, you know, especially in the playoffs. Uh, but being under 500 after what is it, 25, 30 games, that's just unacceptable for this team. And I've been hearing this a lot in our heat cap spaces on Twitter. It's like, you know, Pat Riley says you don't fully evaluate a team until 20 games in. And then people were saying, okay, well, I don't truly evaluate them until 25 games in. And then somebody said the other day, oh, the season doesn't start until Christmas. It's like, okay, well, once you get past all this, you're 50 games in, you have 30 games left and you're 20 games behind first place. So 
you can't keep doing this. And then this leads into my next topic of load management. Now, I understand Jimmy Butler has knee issues and Victor Oladipo as well. Kyle Lowry's 36 years old, so you want to preserve him a little bit for the playoffs. But now this gets into the point that if you make the playoffs, I don't think the Heat as a team right now are in a position to load manage. You can't manage anything if you're losing with them. Because if you're losing with them, imagine what you're going to do without them. The Heat don't have a winning record when Jimmy Butler doesn't play. And tonight, for example, he's not playing. And we're going up against the hottest player in the league. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I think, you know, these last few games and perhaps the next few weeks is really going to be a crossroads for the Heat. Um, I know that Pat Riley does not like, you know, losing. He does not like tanking. I don't even think we have a first round pick next year, so it wouldn't be for draft capital. But um, if you have the if you want to make a run to the playoffs and just see what happens, that means pushing Jimmy Butler, uh, Oladipo, Kyle Lowry to be playing all of these games. And what do we know what happened at that point down the road? Once the playoffs start, these guys are going to start falling apart uh, because of the age, because of the injuries. So not only is it not a guarantee to even make a difference here in the regular season, uh, but if you do push those guys, you can't expect it to turn into some finals run, uh, this magical Cinderella story, uh, because those guys have all these these issues, these underlying issues that probably leads them to burning out later in the season. So um, it, it's probably a crossroads, whether you just want to take the L in the season, uh, load manage the guys, get them some run, but also keep them healthy and, you know, without serious tread on the tires going into next year. Um, and it would suck, obviously, to burn another season with Jimmy and Bam and Tyler and all that stuff. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. And at some point, Spo and Pat, uh, they have to look in the mirror and say, you know, is it worth um, you know, burning the candle on both ends here and, and just making a run for it? Or is it best just to keep our guys healthy? See, and that's what's the most upsetting part is like, you're not really wasting Bam and Tyler because those two haven't even entered their prime yet. They're they're my age. Well, Bam's my age and Tyler's younger than me. Spoiler so, alert, Jordan, you're already past your prime. I passed my prime 10 years ago. <laughs> but... Jimmy Butler, who is in the peak of his prime, like I don't think we've ever seen Jimmy Butler better than he's been in a Heat uniform. Correct. And it's just kind of upsetting that, yeah, you know, veterans on teams, they help. Like I'm, I'm not going to use Haslam as an example because he, do, he doesn't really play. But when you're going to go get Kyle Lowry and you get P.J. Tucker, you know, you got to deal with the age and the wear and tear. So it's like sometimes when you're going to go up against a team like Cleveland, what their average starting five age is like what 25 and ours is i don't even i don't even know so it's like you need to surround younger players with a good mixture of older players and by younger players i don't mean drew smith orlando robinson we can't rely on nikola jovic although i know a lot of our followers personally would like to see him get some run i think if he got run he'd contribute but i don't think he's fixing anything going on right now i don't know if no, he's he, differently he, on that he would be a nice, you know, add-on, I guess, but he's not fixing the issues on this squad. Um, and and yeah, like you're saying, you know, Jimmy is. I just looked it up. He's 33. Uh, by the end of the season, he's you know, or next season, he's probably 34. 
that is getting up in age, especially for a player that, you know, puts his body in harm's way as often as he does. He's always scrapping and diving for loose balls. Uh, so, you know, but who knows? Uh, D Wade did play at what, when did D Wade retire? 36 or 37. I don't, I don't remember off the top of my head, but 36. Uh, he, he was still serviceable. He was still, you know, he wasn't his old self, but he was still being, uh, you know, able to add to the team later in his career. Um, so, I mean, I guess you can hope that Jimmy Butler is able to stay, you know, healthy and, and contribute even in, you know, the older stages of his career. Um, but you probably won't be able to rely on him as that number one guy for much longer. So now I want to get into the fun stuff because this is, you're pretty good at talking about this stuff. I know I just wrote an article about it. You read it and you had no issues. So that must mean I was on something. Is there a trade piece out right now that you think can salvage this season, can propel the heat to make a run in the postseason? So, it depends. Um, if you mean you trade for a player, they complete the puzzle of this lineup and, and all of a sudden we're a better team? No. Um, but what could happen uh, is similar to the bubble year. Um, you know, you, you make a trade, you bring in, you know, they brought in guys like Jay Crowder and Andre Iguodala, where on their own, they're not the most magnificent players, but they did fit into a role and that kind of uh, brought that, you know, that dog mentality, it kind of energized the team because it was a little, little shakeup uh, and it, and it, you know, I guess it got guys on their toes again. Um, so possibly making a move would, would send a message to the team that, you know, we're not done. Uh, we're not dead in the water yet. Um, any of the guys in your, in your article, and if you haven't read it out there, go check it out. Um, on uh, on playbook uh playbookie uh what is it myplaybookie.com god damn uh, check it out the, <laughs> check out the article uh, but all the pieces that you mentioned they would help they would fill a hole in the lineup but um on their own they they wouldn't make this into a championship contender that would have to come from within that would have to be guys deciding to lay it all out there to fight until the end of games and not just collapse the way that they have for the last few weeks. So the heat have expressed interest. I know the Pistons are a team that they're going after. I read today they're interested in Gary Trent. They're interested in Boyan Bogdanovich in Detroit. Um, Jared Vanderbilt in Utah, Nerlens Noel in Detroit. All these players, I don't know if they fix it, like you said, but they definitely help. You know, you need that power forward. You need somebody. I think Boyan's a very good option because he provides scoring when, you know, Jimmy's not playing or Bam's jump shot's not falling or Tyler, you know, he's focusing more on distributing. That could be a good one. And Nerland's Noel would be an amazing pickup, not even because of how he's talented. It's just because I don't want to see Dwayne Dedman anymore. I don't know how many games in a row you could be a minus and you're plus minus and you still get playing time. Yeah, it's out of necessity. It, yeah. And like at that point, Bam's young enough. Play him the whole damn game. I, I'd, I, I don't even know. It's driving me crazy. So obviously between last year and this year, the team is is lacking the intensity, but it's also, like, like we're saying, it also has some holes. Um, you need a four the four is the is the blare is the you know the blaring need um but really anything 
anything to to give some juice to this lineup uh, is necessary. So that's why you know to answer your question, who would would help this team? Any of the above. Uh, just you know, bring in some some new blood, um, fill the holes, and see if the team is able to pick it up. But you know, you, you don't want to mortgage the future and give away everything for uh, you know for for this year when this year is already kind of slipping away. So now I want to ask you another question pertaining to trades. If you could get a piece that, you know, would help right now, would you be willing to part with a first round pick for it? Yeah. Just going back to what I was just saying, probably not. Um, unless it's a, unless it's a long-term piece, you know, unless it's someone like Jared Vanderbilt or, or a younger guy. Um, like where, yes. Where you can, you can count on them for the next, you know, four to five years, uh, the next, you know, generation of heat players with Tyler and with Bam. Uh, if it's for a long-term fit, sure. Um, go for it. But I would not uh, ever uh, this season decide on, on sending out a first round pick for, for instance, for someone like Boyan Bogdanovich, where it's a, a minimal impact type player for this season and this season only, because he is 33 years old too. He's not in anyone's long-term plans. He's the kind of person that you add, or the you know these older vets that are available are the kind of people that you add uh, when you're one piece away, when you're you know trading for depth. Uh, this team is not one piece away. Um, you're not. I, I would never uh, mortgage our future for someone this season when this season is already slipping away. Um, it would have to be a younger player that you can count on for a long time. So now this is the one that really gets me. And I see it all over Twitter. I see Spo getting criticized up the ass. And I'm not one to criticize my Hall of Fame coach. I am forever grateful. I love that guy. I hope he never leaves. I hope he never retires. I want him to coach until he dies. But he does deserve some criticism. How do you think you would evaluate Spolstra's coaching so far this season? I think that he's had a long enough career to um, to show how good of a coach he is and to avoid this kind of criticism. Um, you know, he over the over the last however long it's been, fifteen years, uh, he has shown to be you know stubborn with his lineups and his decisions, and he's gonna he's gonna run something until he knows for a fact it's not gonna work, uh, and that's the one thing that I've you know, noticed and, and can potentially criticize him for. And there, there may be some of that at, at play here, but as far as making adjustments and putting guys in positions to succeed, he is elite. He is next level. And so, you know, personally, I don't know what else he can do with the roster he's given. He's missing a player every night that he would, that, that would be in the normal rotation. And uh, obviously he's, also playing whack-a-mole with the the holes in the lineup, whether it's, you know, power forward or, or backup five, whatever the case is. Um, he has to try to fill those spaces with the depth from other positions. So, you know, at the end of the day, he has to play with what he's given. Um, the team should be better, but I, I don't know if it's Spolstra that deserves the uh, criticism for that. Um, if anything, it like I said earlier, it, I, I feel like the players just don't have the same energy from previous seasons. And also the roster is is not as good, especially with the holes that it has. 
And now I know some people are going to disagree with what I'm about to say, but you know, that's the cool thing about being your own fan. You have your own opinion. (laughs) I don't think Spolstra deserves any criticism because he was dealt a shitty hand. A lot of people I see are hounding for Spolstra plays small all the time. He needs to play big. What what do you want to do? We what big do you want to play? You want to start Deadman with Bam? You well, you can't do oh that. My God, you want to start Yurt with Bam? You can't. Yurt broke his foot. You want to start Jovic? Okay, well, sadly, I, they don't think he's ready, and we can't change that. They don't. They know more than we do. So, I don't understand the oh, we need to play big. Okay, well, we don't have a big. Bam's our big. Bam's not a big. I personally think Bam is a power forward. But on this mm-hmm. roster right now, the way it is constructed, Bam is and will be the only center I trust. Yep. And that's the, I guess, the the beauty and the curse of fans. Uh, you can have your own opinions and and make these declarations, but at the same time, that's all you are as a fan. You, you're not in these, in the locker room, you're not in these team meetings. So how can you assume to know uh, what's better for the team when Spolster is there in practice every single day. I guarantee you starting Deadman and Bam is a no-go. Like that that's some, that's not something that you can expect to work. I, I honestly um, so, I, I think I'd root for the magic if I saw Deadman and Bam both in the starting lineup. I, I couldn't handle it. My my little old Jewish heart could not handle that. Exactly. So you know I, I get that the fans are pissed. I'm pissed. This season has is slipping away already you know, not even halfway into the season, but at the same time, you know, you, you can't just fire a guy. You can't just assign blame to one person. Um, you know, Spolstra obviously wants what's best for this team. He doesn't want to lose. Um, and I think he's earned our, you know, respect for more than, you know, one season of bad play. Yeah. See, it's, he's earned a pass. It's understandable to criticize Spolster because, yeah, okay, the coaching's been a little disappointing. I'm not going to criticize him myself, but I also think it's a collective effort. You know, it's a little bit on the front office. Pat Riley should have known that this team wasn't going to win anything. You, sh- you can't say, okay, we're going to give you this contract and everybody's saying, oh, it's to trade. Well, you know, if we don't want our players, why would other teams want our players? That's how I'm looking at it. Like, okay, yeah, I know sometimes it's a salary filler. But if we sign Duncan to this big contract and everybody's like, oh, it's a movable contract. It's not a movable contract and nobody wants him. It's an unmovable contract. So yeah. it's on that. And then it's on the players. You know, at some point we have to criticize the players as well. You guys are the ones on the court. You guys are the ones competing. You can't get this lead and you can't give it up every single game. It's like it's scripted at this point. It's the same thing every night. You go up in yep. the first quarter, they fight back. It's a close game at halftime, and then you shit the bed. They go up one, and then it's a blowout from there. And then that's it. Yep, exactly. So it's, it, like, it, it's, it's rigged at this point. Like, I don't know how your brother's so bad at sports gambling. I could read him a book <laughs> and tell him exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, the, the, these games have been embarrassing. But um, but like you said, you know, there, there's blame to go around. Um, you know, Pat obviously is tr- tries to go all in every offseason, but it takes two to tango. If there's no one accepting a mm-hmm. trade, Yep. You can't you can't say that there should have been a trade. Should he have added more pieces to fill the holes? Yes. Uh, but, the, you know, that's kind of the the gamble, the give and take that he that he takes uh, where he tries to go for it all. When he whips, he whips badly because then we're left scrambling. But, um, you know, that's how you end up with LeBron and Chris Bosh and Jimmy Butler. So 
you know, it, it is what it is. It sucks. It sucks that we have to go through it. As Miami Heat fans, we've been spoiled for years and years and years. Um, but it's it's not the end of the world. You know, they're they're unfortunately it sucks to hear it, but there's always next season. Um, but you know, uh, we just just see if we can turn this thing around and and try to look for the bright spots. And I, I also want to make it clear. I have the full faith in Pat Riley. I'm not dissing him at all. Like I think that guy is goaded. He can do no wrong in my eyes. And like, you know, when this whole the fact Kevin that Durant Heat fans thing, yeah. will say that, you know, he's washed or he's he's done. Yeah, I, he I don't find that funny. Like, bro, same as Spolstra. Has he not earned the ability to have a bad season? Like he brought you championships. He brought you LeBron freaking James. He dropped the rings on the table and swayed the best player in the league to join his team. Like, if he's not entitled to a bad season, who is? Who is not getting fired? You know what I mean? We'd like to tell you about another sponsor here at the Playbook Sports Network, and that is Inclusion Brand Bourbon Whiskey. Every now and then, a truly unique flavor is born, and with it comes a story that captures the essence of what it delivers in every single pour. Inclusion Brand Bourbon Whiskey is proud to deliver a Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey that is 92 proofs of delightful savoring smoothness. Our story is one of culture, a belief that everyone should belong. Our passion is to demonstrate that no matter what your backgrounds are, you can create, share, and be part of something special. And we are showing the world today that we belong. Backed by tradition, blended in culture, further unifying a world where we can all share a drink and truly be included. Include me. We'd like to tell you about one of our sponsors here at the Playbook Sports Network, and that is Sneaker Pads. Sneaker Pads is a shoe company that will sell, trade, and buy your shoes to and from you. With hundreds of shoe options to choose from, such as Yeezys, Jordans, Dunks, and designer shorts, Sneaker Pads is your go-to shopping and retail brand. Need some extra cash? They will appraise your shoes and maybe buy them. Looking to trade shoes for shoes? Then Sneaker Pads is the move for you. I've been a buyer of theirs for years, and I will always come away feeling great about my purchases. Sneaker Pads operates in Broward County, Miami-Dade County, and Palm Beach counties. They conduct their business with shipping and in-person exchanges. Mention the Playbook Sports Network at your purchase and reach out to Sneaker Pads on Instagram at Sneaker Pads. And yes, that is two S's at the end. Remember, with Sneaker Pads, bills are temporary, but drip is forever. Like, yeah, okay, at the beginning of the summer when this whole offseason started, yeah, okay, sometimes the Sleepy Pat jokes were funny. I'm human. I'd laugh sometimes. Sure. But now they're over, they're overused, and it's like one second fans want to go all in for Kevin Durant, and while they're trying to make that happen, Jeremy Grant goes away, and then fans are mad that the Heat didn't offer a first-round pick for Jeremy Grant. So it's like you can't, exactly. you can't give a first-round pick for Jeremy Grant and then still get Kevin Durant. Exactly. Like, if you these guys do this every, every Heat day. fan was all in on these trades in the offseason. And then when they don't fall through or they don't they don't come, th- you know, they don't come to fruition, then it's like, oh well, he also missed out on all these other players. Well, hindsight is 2020, but guess what? He was going for the whale. You know, J- Jeremy Grant is not on the level of the other guys that he was waiting on. So uh it, it's a tough position, but you know what? Pat Riley's gonna Pat Riley and and you reap the benefits when it works. It's that yeah. simple. I guess what I'm trying to say is he I, he has to be aware that this team isn't good. So it's yep. not like he's just sitting there watching things happen. He's probably trying. 
but you know, Pat Riley has a reputation around the league as like a dickhead, probably. I don't know. I don't know Pat. I don't Riley. know about a dickhead, but did. he definitely has a he has a reputation of uh, uh, you know, taking advantage of uh, of teams and trades. Yeah, always, and always ending up probably with a aware of, of that. That's yeah. why I don't know how this Jared Vanderbilt thing would work out. I feel like Danny Ainge just won't give him to us just to spite Pat Riley, which is yeah. fine. You want to be a little bitch? I'll be a little bitch too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I'm expecting a move, uh, but you know what they say, you know, deadlines get things done. So uh, we probably won't see anything until the actual deadline because how Pat Riley negotiates and he's going to give up as little as possible. And so then they're going to he's going to do this dance with whatever other GM he's working with and string it out until the very end. And then maybe we get a trade by the deadline. But, um, you know, it might be too late by then. And we also can't forget, people want to trade right now. The only two uh, people on our team right now that are tradable are Caleb Martin, Haslam, and then obviously Duncan and Lowry. So you can't trade Deadman. You can't trade Depot. You can't trade the rest of them until, what, January 15th, I think Gad told me it was? Something like that, December or January. Yeah, so you you have to wait a little bit longer. Yeah, and the the trade deadline's in February, so you know that's, what, two months away? uh at this point so hopefully it's not not much longer but i'm expecting to see a move fingers crossed so before we close i just want to bring up one more quick topic and it's about our shooting so duncan robinson was this elite shooter for i don't know how many years maybe two three he signs his contract and then he just completely disappears which is fine you know i guess it sucks that we gave him that much money i know a couple people in our Twitter chat are upset that he's on the team, but I'm happy for him. He got his money. I'm sad that we were the ones that give it to him, but you know, he's a human. I hope he's happy, whatever. It's like now when he plays, if he misses a couple shots, he gets yanked and he gets thrown to the back and never sees the court again. Max Struess, who's on a cheaper deal, obviously he was showing out just like Duncan did those first couple years. And it's as of late, Max Struess has just been, just as bad, if not worse, than Duncan Robinson. Do you? Wh- I don't even know what I want to ask because I'm just so dumbfounded that both of them just shit the bed that fast. Yeah, it's like, are we gonna re-sign Max and have to deal with this again? It's. Do you think Max should be pulled? Like, just give me some thoughts. So, um, I think that. You know, obviously, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. We don't know if Max is still dealing with an issue because didn't he just miss uh, some time with an injury not too long ago? It was a shoulder. Um, yeah, so we don't know if that's still lingering. And and obviously, with a shoulder, that can affect your shooting motion. Um, I think that the Heat will do what they can to bring back Max. We know what the potential is there. Is he going to get a Duncan-sized contract? I doubt it the heat have already made that mistake once and i doubt they're going to want to make it again um but i do think that they'll bring him back maybe 10 12 maybe even 14 million a year because that's you know a standard nba contract at this point but getting up there closer to 20 million dollars i don't see happening um but uh you know with duncan i i think you know he 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 has sounded us he white-sided us he played super well got the bag and then I don't know if it's mental. I don't know if it's him taking it easy in the offseason and not working on his craft. Um, but, yeah, he he has not earned a spot in the lineup, and he's probably just playing because of how bad Struess has been and and how shorthanded we've been all season. 
Um, but he is, uh, you know, he, he's his production has fallen off a cliff. And the only reason I'd say yes to, to Max, but they likely uh, try to trade Duncan is because Duncan is that one trick pony. He's not able to, um, you know, he's not able to do much else other than shoot. So uh, it doesn't help his cause when he can't shoot. He's obviously not going to contribute in any other way. So that, that's why I'd say yes to Max. But Duncan's probably gone sooner than later. See, but other teams know that. That That's why I'm saying, you know, we don't want Duncan. So why would another team want a one-dimensional guy that doesn't even do the dimension that is <laughs> expected to do well? He can't even – he's a pony that can't even do his one trick. I know. At least he could podcast well. <laughs> hey, he has a future there. So you you think they're going to keep Max. So if you had to choose between one of the two, Max, Gabe, Vincent, you think they're going Max? Between Max and Gabe, I I think that they would try to bring them both back. They have both of their bird rights, I believe. Um, I I but if it had if it came down to those two, uh, shoot, uh, I I don't know. They might they might go Gabe because he has been a very reliable backup point guard. Um, but uh, that that is tough. I think that they would do whatever they can to try to bring back both, though. All right. That was a painful 30 minutes, wasn't it? That was. Uh, hopefully next week, two weeks from now, we can actually have some fun sports conversations here. <laughs> God, I hope they win tonight. So that's all I got. Is there anything you'd like to add before I let you go? Um, Miami Dolphins, if you're listening, please don't shit the bed in Buffalo this weekend. Thanks. Yeah, Tua, please. I know it's snow. I know it's white. I know it's freaky. Please just throw 500 yards and seven touchdowns for the sake of God. I can't hear this fan base shit on him anymore. Please, from your mouth to God's ears. Oh, my God. All right, Zach, I'm out of here. Take it easy. Peace, bye.